right, good morning, Foothill. Good to see you all here. I'm Pastor Chris, and um, I want to gra- invite you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs uh, chapter 2. And let me just say while you're turning there, last several weeks you've heard Travis preach and JD preach a few times, and I just want to make sure you understand kind of what's happening here. I'm not quitting and they're taking over. <laughs> I know I haven't been around a whole lot in terms of preaching, but that's intentional because we want them to get as many reps as possible to be just as ready as they can be when they launch their church in the fall. So if you're from the Ontario, Chino, Eastvale area, then uh, Echo Church is probably for you. If you're from the Rancho area, then Story Church is for you. And over the coming weeks, months, you're going to hear from them uh, more. So uh, I, I hope you're enjoying that. I hope you're hearing from, from different people, and um, I know it's been a blessing to me as well. But uh, today, we've got kids in the room, and kids, I just want to add my welcome to you being here. We really are glad, moms and dads, we're not judging your parenting today. Uh, we know it's going to be a little more squirrely in the room, and that's okay. Like, that's, that's something we embrace. We're, we're happy. Listen, because what you're doing is so valuable. Michelle and I, on occasion, would go grab our kids out of our children's program, just bring them into our church service because I want them, I wanted them to see what does it look like? What does worship look like? What is, what, what, what should, what, how do, how do mom and dad behave in here? What's happening with other people? They're learning just by being in here, even if they don't hear everything that's said and that's okay. Like you are the disciples you're going to find out this morning of your children and we simply come alongside of you. And kids, you've got this trek guide. Go ahead and grab that. And if you turn it to the back, you're going to be able to kind of follow along. Uh, there's some questions that I will answer along the way and hopefully you can, you can pay attention a little bit to the, uh, to the sermon uh, doing that. Now, if you're not married or you don't have kids, don't tune this out. Seriously. Because uh, f- first and foremost, let me say this, there is so much being talked about in our culture about family that you're hearing whether you're married or not. The culture's redefining family and sexuality and all these different things, and we have to sort of go back and say, what does the Bible say? So if nothing else, it's good for us to be, to be sort of uh, immersed in this understanding of what the Bible says about uh, family. But second of all, I want you to recognize something, that, that whether or not you have your own sort of nuclear family, a mom and dad and, and children, all of us are children in one way or another, aren't we? We all have a mom, we all have a dad, for good or for ill, that that's part of our background. And so there again, it's good for us to see what does the Bible say? What is God's intent for this? And then, and then most of all, we're part of the family of God. The Bible says when you and I come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we believe in the gospel, we are grafted into this massive family. So any, any sort of earthly wisdom about family, anything the Bible teaches us about the nuclear family in some ways can be analogized, extrapolated, become a metaphor for what, what, what we see in the kingdom of God with God as our father and Christ as our brother. So I encourage you, man, make this summer. This is just a summer series. We'll get back to Acts in the fall. We're gonna take the next several weeks and talk about parenting from Proverbs. And Proverbs is gonna be our guide, okay? Proverbs is an awesome book. It's this book found sort of right in the center of your Bible, and it's all about wisdom, wisdom in parenting, wisdom in all kinds of areas of life, okay? So let's start there, and I want to do this really quick overview of what is wisdom. When you hear the word wisdom, when you think, I know or I don't know any wise people, what comes to mind? Who, who comes to mind? Is it somebody who's sort of academically gifted? They must be wise. They've got great business savvy. They must be wise. They've got these street smarts or shrewdness. They must be wise. That must be wisdom. What is wisdom? 
Because the Bible is going to say, Proverbs is going to say, as you'll see here in a moment, that we should seek after it. We should hunt for it. Like it should become an obsession for us. We must seek wisdom and understanding and insight. You search for it like you search for silver and gold. I mean, that's the kind of emphasis, that's the kind of motivation the Bible wants us to have about it. So in fact, it's going to say, buy it and don't sell it. It's the only thing the Bible says you ought to hoard. You ought to never, like never give this up, never sell off a part of what you have when it comes to wisdom. Keep everything you ever get. So this can't mean business savvy. This can't mean mere intellectual intelligence. It can't mean shrewd sort of street, you know, sense. That's not what's happening here. There must be something more if it's going to say this has to be the center, this should be the central pursuit of your life, wisdom. Now, why would anybody make wisdom the central pursuit of their life? Well, look at Proverbs chapter 2, and I, I don't have time this morning because this is kind of an overview to walk you through every part, but I want you to just do your own little Bible study as we're walking through this, okay, and, and listen for benefits of wisdom. Listen to what the Bible's going to say of why you would want to make wisdom your goal, okay? And then we'll look at, at children and we'll look at parents. Chapter 2, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upper right. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil and from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So much we could say about this. He's saying wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will provide you. Wisdom will be those things that make you get to 52 years old and go, my gosh, God has protected me. God has watched over me. I have no massive regrets. Versus getting and saying, what have I done? How I have ruined my life. But I want to suggest to you there's a, there's a bigger principle at play here because when the Old Testament talks about wisdom and pursuing and seeking and going after it, we have to read our entire Bibles, not just our Old Testament, so that what it's asking us to search and seek and look for and pursue and all that is Jesus. So that when I hear about wisdom and, and walking in wisdom, what I need to understand as a Christian is that this is really showing me what it looks like to walk with Jesus. What does it look like to walk with Christ? In fact, look again at verse chapter 2, verse 10. What, 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 is, what does the writer says? He says, for wisdom will come into your hearts. Now we talk about Jesus coming to our heart, right? In other words, become the center of your life. This is Jesus. In fact, Paul's gonna say in Colossians chapter two that in Christ, 
are all the benefits or all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want all the treasures of, of, of Proverbs chapter 2, where does it come from? Jesus. Jesus is who brings to us all the benefits of wisdom and knowledge. Now, don't get this backwards. We don't pursue wisdom and knowledge and then get Jesus. We get Jesus. He, by faith, we believe in him. And what happens? We therefore get wisdom. Christ is the root. Wisdom is the fruit. That's why we talk about the gospel being the root. Wisdom then, therefore, is the fruit. So wisdom, and you read through the Proverbs, what do you find out? Wisdom transforms all of life. Every part of it. Jesus, let's say it that way, transforms your entire existence. He transforms how you view the world. He transforms how you view money. He transforms your speech. He transforms your motivations. He transforms your finances. He transforms your family. He transforms your identity. Everything down to the core is, is changed by wisdom. Read Jesus. He transforms everything. So, Okay, these are the benefits. And again, I know this is a really, really quick overview, but I want you to see this. As you walk through, Proverbs is in this section called Wisdom Literature. As you walk through the wisdom literature, this is what you're gonna see. And this is what I want you to kind of be relating this to. And it's talking about my life with Jesus. It's talking about if I'm a Christian and wisdom coming into my heart, Christ coming to dwell in my heart by faith. And now what gets produced as a result of that. So now, let's turn and let's talk, therefore, about kind of parents and children and how, how wisdom informs that relationship. So let's first talk about the wise child. What makes a child wise? Now, I wanna just say this and preface that. Kids, hear me. Wisdom is not just for adults. And moms and dads, parents, adults in this room, you need to understand this. If I'm right, and if the Bible, the whole of the Bible is pointing to Jesus as the source of wisdom, then that means that any child, anybody of any age can ask for Jesus and receive wisdom. That he comes into their heart and begins to form wisdom into their heart, right? So this is not just for adults. In fact, look at this. Look at, go to Proverbs chapter 1, turn back one chapter. And in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we basically get the introduction to the book of Proverbs. Listen to this. Here's, in fact, start at verse 2. We could ask the question, what is the book of Proverbs about? What's it trying to accomplish? Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence, that's wisdom, to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Do you understand this? This is a book written, if we could say it this way, for children. We give this Bible away when we do baby dedications. I've had more parents tell me I've learned more about my Bible from reading that children's Bible, right? Because it's teaching me things. Listen, I'm not saying this is just for kids. I'm saying, don't, don't you love the Proverbs? If you're reading, if you're sort of wading through, you know, I don't know, Leviticus, and you turn over to Proverbs, like, ah, oh, that feels good, right? I get it. I understand it. It's being put on a shelf that I understand. Well, that's what's happening. I read, kids, do you understand there's a book of the Bible written for you? There's something so you can have wisdom. You can understand things about Jesus. So, so this is the wise child. So what does a wise child look like? Okay, well, 
This is very interesting. Let me, let me, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sort of rapid fire some verses to you. If you wanna take these down, fine, but you can get the recording or look on, on, um, uh, on your, your app and it'll, it'll give you them there as well. Chapter one, verse eight. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Chapter four, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Chapter 23, verse 22 and 23. Listen to your father who gave your life and do not despise your mother when she is old. What's the commonality in all these? Listen, 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 pay attention. This is the instruction to children. It's saying, it's saying the wise child listens to her parents. Do you know that? Like, like they, they, they heed, they hear, they're attentive. Now, now, kids, this is your priority. Parents, this is your priority. You look and say, do my kids listen? Do they heed? We'll talk about what that word listen means in a minute. But, but, but ask yourself that. Listen, the sign, the sign that you have a daughter or a son that is genuinely saved, not I led them in a prayer at the bedside. Wonderful, I hope you did. They asked Jesus to come into their heart. Great. But if you don't see the fruit of obedience, the fruit of a willingness, an attentiveness to what you say, then mom and dad, if if they're not characterized, I'm not saying they do it perfectly any more than you do. If they're not characterized by that, then don't you assume that Jesus actually dwells in their hearts by faith. This is the sign. So so it's it's kids that that hear you. It's a heart that's inclined to hear. It's they value what what you teach them. Kids, let me me say something. Your, Your parents know by experience, by maturity, by the hard knocks of life, uh, what they're doing. They, 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 they've, been, they've been hurt, they've seen triumphs, they've ran around the blocks a few times, they understand how life works better than you, and they don't want to try and rob your joy. They're actually trying by, by steering you, even when you don't feel like you want to go, they're steering you into deeper pools of joy. That's what you need to see. Say, man, I want to obey them. I want to follow them. So, so left to yourself, here's what Proverbs is going to say, left to yourself, you will wander unwittingly into very dangerous places. It'll be harmful to your mom and dad don't want that for you, okay? That's what's happening. Now, what does it mean to listen? When the Bible says listen, does it mean that the, the auditory sort of the nerves in my eardrum are, are moving and I'm getting a signal? No, of course not. You know that you can hear and not listen. We all do it, right? Yes, dear, whatever, right? You, you, you hear, I have no idea what you said, right? No, what the Bible's gonna say, in fact, when Paul, Paul gives one instruction to children in all of his letters, it's this, obey your parents. That word obey in the Greek actually has inside of it the Greek word for hearing, and it means hear under, under hearing, something like that. The idea is you heed what they say. You, you obey. In fact, let me challenge you to look at something sometime. Whenever the Bible talks about somebody listening, there's a response. 
It's not mere hearing with an ear. Right? That's why Jesus can say, whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear, right? Because then he's going to do something. The Bible will say of God himself, every time God hears, every time God listens, he does something about it. Psalm 40, I, I cried out to the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And then what? He delivered me up out of the muck and mire. He did something with what he heard. That's the idea. It's this obedience. This, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do what mom and dad asked me to do. What, what's happening? What are you doing? See, how you respond to your mom and dad, young people, is how you respond to Christ. You're learning to submit. There is nothing more important, biblically speaking, for you to learn than how to submit to the authority that God has put over you. That's not popular. That's just biblical. That we are learning that. We have to learn that. Now, some people, some young people, right, we, we, we balk at this, and man, I, I don't want to do I'll, I'll do that later on. I'll, I'll be obedient later. I'll sort of start adulting when I'm out of the home. No, no. Basically, the Bible says is not, not that, not you get out and then prove yourself. It says the home is the proving ground for real life. This is, where, this is where you train for a future job. This is where you train for a future marriage. This is where you train for future relationships. This is where you train about how to interact with the culture. This is where you train in all kinds of ways. This is happening in your home. Don't say when real life comes, I'll grow up and be responsible. No, this is real life. What God is looking for is a heart that's ready to listen to wisdom as we've defined it. Okay? Now, what happens if you don't listen to wisdom? Well, unfortunately, the Bible doesn't have much good to say. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and disgrace come, from, uh, come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27, cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. So it's not a pretty picture. It's saying if you don't do this, then, 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 then you're headed for a life of destruction. Moms and dads, you, you don't want that for your kids. Kids, you don't want that for you. God's saying, I want you to know a life of joy, of abundance, of, of, of satisfaction. How's that going to happen? It happens as you learn to obey. You learn to grab hold of wisdom. So, so look, your parents will mess up. That's their problem, not yours. Right? You're responsible for obedience and a willingness uh, to obey. Now, that's wise children. How about wise parents? Well, here's the interesting thing. We could take all the verses that we just gave for children and we could say they apply to parents. So look at, look at chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. What's the implication there for moms and dads? You are instructing. You are teaching. It assumes something, right? Wise parents train their children, we could say it this way as New Testament believers, to follow Christ. We show them. Now, now, I hear parents say, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good at discipling my kids. I, 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 I don't feel qualified. I, I feel like I have so much, you know, biblical knowledge. I'm a new Christian, whatever it is. 
Let me suggest something to you. You are, you are the best teacher they will ever have. You are wired that way. You understand that? Like, like I'm wired, you're wired. We're all wired this way. You are the very best. You are perfectly tailored, suited to be their best instructor. Most of us, everybody in this room, for better or ill, you are the way you are because your parents are perfect disciplers. I I didn't say they were good. I just said they execute perfectly. And we either live with the baggage or we live with the triumphs or we live with the joys because we are uniquely suited to do this. You gotta know this, right? See, the question isn't whether your kids will follow you. The question isn't whether you're teaching your kids. The question is, what are you teaching and where are you leading them? That's always the question. Because, right, is that, I mean, <laughs> you teach your kids every day. Every day, without a word, you show them what's important. Leisure is super important, right? Money is important. Like, like you're teaching them how to respond to conflict. You're teaching them what to do when life doesn't go their way. Wine, that's what you should do, because that's what I do, right? I, I don't have to say, now son, let me sit you down and give you a lesson in life. When things don't go your way, this is how you should respond. He's just going to go, I've just watched you. I've seen you do it a thousand times. This is just how it works. You're perfectly suited for this. This is exactly why God put kids into your home. You are shaping their view of God. Do you understand your kids are imitating you? This is why you get to be 52 and go, oh my gosh, that was just like my dad. (laughs) Right? Have you done this? Because you're wired that way. God is going, I'm I'm, I'm shaping you. This is the avenue for your shaping. Now, here's the difference between a wise and a foolish parent. A wise parent just gets this. They know this, and now they're gonna be deliberate about this training and teaching. Now they're gonna realize, man, everything I do speaks truth, speaks lies to my kids. I'm not gonna leave some things to chance. I understand I'm preaching to my kids all the time. What am I preaching? See, see, wise parents look and say, man, I'm taking my teaching, my leadership seriously. They, there, hear me, hear me, mom and dad. You are the leaders, you are the teachers and trainers in your home, not your children. Do you follow me? Not your kids. And there are too many families, too many parents who say, well, he doesn't want to wear that. She doesn't want to eat that. They don't want to go there. They like this and don't like this. Our weekends rotate around the child. The church we attend depends on our children. What have we done? We're basically saying, you're the boss, child. Lead us. They're not the boss. There's a really famous proverb. Let me, I gotta be quick about this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. You can write it down, you can go look at it right now. Many of you know it by heart. It says this, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And I've heard, I've heard my whole life 
that is this awesome promise for parents. If that's a promise, that's terrifying. And let me, let me help you understand this. That can't possibly be a promise. I know plenty of parents who have raised their kids, taught them the gospel. They weren't being zealous, you know, weird fundamentalists. They were trying to teach and instruct their kids in the ways of the Lord. And when their kids got older, they departed from it. God is the best father who ever was, and Adam and Eve rebelled. You follow me? This is not a promise. And maybe this will bring hope to some of you who said, man, I thought I did it all right, and look what's happened to my kids. I don't know. I thought, God, I did my part. You're supposed to do your part. No, you know what this is? This is a warning to parents who say, your kids get to call the shots. It literally reads, train up a child in according to his bent, according to the way his heart wants to take him, and when he's old, he won't depart. You're setting yourself up for failure. So um, let, me, let me tell you something we tell, Michelle and I tell young parents all the time. Your parenting ought to look like a funnel upside down. Okay, follow me? So picture a funnel upside down. When they're young, they have very little freedom. A two-year-old has no business telling you what they will wear. They have no business telling you, I will or won't eat that. A seventh grader has no business telling you which church you'll go to or whether they'll go to church. Okay, follow me. Here's the funnel with the spout at the top, and as they get older, and as they grow in wisdom, and as they grow with Jesus, you start, that funnel starts to fan out, okay? You see what's happening? Now I'm giving them more freedom, more freedom, more freedom, until finally we let them go. Most parents turn the funnel right side up. And when they're little, what happens? It's so cute. Look at him throwing food right? Look at him running around. Look at him, you know, yeah, he doesn't want to wear that. He wants to wear that. She, she wants to go there, not there. It's so awesome. And we give him all kinds of freedom because we think it's hilarious. We think it's cute. And then what happens when they get to teenage years? They want to take their freedom. So what do mom and dad do? They strangle the child. The child goes, no way. I've never done this in my life. You're not going to start now. I'm out. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. Like, this is our responsibility. Okay, so, so how do we train them? What are we training them uh, towards? Okay, so let me, let me again, I'm, I'm giving you a 30,000-foot view. Over the coming weeks, we're going to get more into the weeds on this. But, but here are some primary lessons that every parent ought to think I've got to teach my child. The number one lesson you should teach your child is to pursue wisdom. And we're going to read that as Jesus. You pursue Jesus more than anything else in your life. Proverbs 23, listen, remember this? Listen to your father who gave you life. Don't despise your mother when she's old. Buy truth, don't sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So, so mom and dad, like we're, we're looking at our kids and say, man, what I want them to know more than anything, what, they, what I want them to see me pursuing more than anything is Jesus. I want them to see me investing in Jesus. This means I give. But more than that, it means I, I buy wisdom. There are books on my shelf, I might say, that are showing my kids this is so valuable to me. My relationship with Jesus is the most valuable thing in my life. Moms and dads, as your kids get older, 
You know, maybe they'll go to camp in junior high or high school, and, and I hope the way you think of that is like, man, this is, this is an investment in their spiritual progress. If that's true, then don't pay for all the camp. Tell them to pay. Tell them to buy it. Tell them to buy a Bible, right? Invest in it. Make them start giving now. I know it's pennies. I know it's dimes. I know it's a dollar. But like give out of what God has given you. Invest in wisdom. Buy it and don't sell it, right? But now listen, here's the deal. If Christ isn't your priority, he won't be theirs. If if coming to church on a Sunday morning, now I know this happens to all of us. I, it happens to me. But like if, if, it, if, it's, if, it's, if you're characterized by, ugh, your kids will be characterized by, ugh. If you're characterized by, hey, it's Sunday, we're going to church because Jesus is the most important thing in our life. Then over time, your kids grow in that joy, usually, right? That's just, that's just how we're wired. If you're not modeling, we cannot demand what we're not willing to do. So mom and dad, we must model this. God God has to be our priority. If I'm not investing, I can't expect them to. If this isn't a priority for me, it's not gonna be for them, okay? That's the first thing. Number two, I'll just say this one and we'll move on. Money, here's what Proverbs is gonna tell you to teach your kids. Money makes a terrible God. Over and over. The, the danger, the trap of riches. And by the way, here's an area where I promise you, if you believe this, you will swim upstream in the culture. You will swim right against everything that the culture is about. Money makes a terrible God. And finally, the beauty, you teach them the beauty of personal purity and saving themselves for marriage. Again, so countercultural. Read Proverbs 1 through 9, okay? Proverbs 1 through 9, over and over, is going to come back. You'll hear about this in a few weeks. It's going to come back to this idea of immorality. It's going to look at that, and it holds up this vision for marriage and faithfulness, right? And if children, here's what it's going to teach. It's, it, this is being taught to a son, to a daughter. If it's, why, why would we want to teach them that? Because the Bible's going to say if they don't have control with their physical bodies, they will not have control with their spiritual bodies. If, if that, that promiscuity is a type of idolatry, we could say. That, that physical unfaithfulness leads to spiritual unfaithfulness. In fact, let me, let me read to you. I, I didn't have it printed up here, so just listen carefully. Here's, a, here's an excerpt of an article by a guy named Derek Rishmawi who, who, uh, who, who wrote an article. Here's the title of the article. Who are you sleeping with? My conversation with Tim Keller. Okay, Tim Keller, pastor in New York, urban, kind of downtown Manhattan, understood sort of uh, the, 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 the younger culture and generation and all that. And here's what happens. This is an excerpt. It just says this. Tim Keller says that one of the biggest obstacles to repentance for revival in the church is the basic fact that almost all singles outside the church and a majority inside the church are sleeping with each other. In other words, good old-fashioned fornication. There are few of Christianity's teachings more offensive, unpalatable, and likely to drive people away from hearing the gospel than its sexual ethic. 
Many college students and young adults don't want to turn to God, or at least not the kind of solid God you find in the, in the gospel, because he has opinions on sexual morality that we find restrictive. Keller illustrated the point by talking about a tactic that an old college pastor associate of his used when catching up with college students who were home from school. He'd ask them to grab coffee with him to catch up on life. When he'd come to the state of their spiritual lives, they'd often hem and haw, talking about the difficulties and doubts now that they'd taken a little philosophy or maybe a science class or two and how it all started to shake the foundations of their faith. At that point, this pastor would look at them and ask them one question, so who have you been sleeping with? Shocked their faces would inevitably fall and say something along the lines of how did you know or a real conversation would ensue. Keller pointed out that it's a pretty easy bet that when you have a kid coming home with questions about evolution or philosophy or some such issue, the prior issue is a troubled conscience. Honestly, here's Derek talking, I've seen it with a number of my friends and students. The Bible, unsurprisingly, starts to become a little more doubtful for some, once they've had sex. Teach them. Moms and dads, this is your responsibility. God gave you a family to disciple. If home is the proving ground for life, that applies to you. You are the ones who train your children. It's where you show your kids how Christ meets reality. How central he is to your home is where faith comes into the midst of real life. Now listen, do you hear this and think, oh, man, I need more wisdom? Because I do. And here's the great news. Both Testaments say it in different ways. Uh, James is going to say in James chapter 1 verse 5 do any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God he'll give generously and without reproach but listen to Proverbs because that's where we are Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20 wisdom cries aloud in the streets in the market she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the city gate she speaks how long O simple ones will you love being simple how long will you scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate knowledge if you turn at my reproof behold I will pour out my spirit to you I will make my words known to you wisdom is not hiding for the spiritually elite it is there for everybody in this room, young and old, cry out for it. And here's a guaranteed answer. That's what both Testaments are telling you. This is not, oh, I hope maybe God will answer. He will give generously without reproach. He will fill you with his spirit. He will come to you. Wisdom isn't hiding from you. She's there for the taking. Christ is there for the taking. Call out. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for these kids that are in here and parents and, and everybody who isn't even represented in that God that, Lord, we would be wise people that would pursue Jesus with all our lives, that would see money as a terrible God, that would see the beauty of, of physical purity and how it relates to our spiritual purity. And so, God, protect us in these ways. Pour out your wisdom. Pour out your spirit as we cry out for it. But God, I pray first and foremost that those who are in here who, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're not in Christ. Christ is not in them. 
that, Father, today would be a day when they would cry out and wisdom would come into their hearts in the person of Jesus Christ. I thank you that we're not asking for an idea. We're praying for the presence of a person, Jesus Christ, to come into our lives. So do that today, I pray, as we repent, as we turn, as we put our faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray there would be people in this room that today would be a day of salvation for them, a day when wisdom would come into their heart for the first time, never to depart, I pray. We love you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.